Our first lesson for VBS is Jesus turning the water into wine, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. This is the miracle in which Jesus introduces himself. It's his first impression to us and to his disciples, so to speak. That's what John says of it. Uh, this first miracles he did and revealed, manifested, showed his, his glory to his disciples and to us. As an introduction as a first impression is very important. We all know first impressions are very important. Uh, how many times are we told that growing up, the importance of first impressions? People judge you for years and years and years based on the very first time that they meet you and the things that you do and say. And so Jesus reveals himself. This is our first impression of Jesus. And we find somebody who not only has power, but who has uses that power to fill our lives with God's blessings. Law and gospel, we often doubt Jesus. Many people doubt that he existed. Many people doubt that he's God. Many people doubt that he cares about us. We, we doubt Jesus in many different ways. But even those of us who believe in Jesus, we often doubt his goodness. We don't really believe that he's listening to our prayers. We don't really believe that he wants us to be happy. We don't really believe that he's going to, to give us the things that we ask for in our life and provide us with the blessings that we want. We have this idea of Jesus as kind of stingy and, well, <clears throat> and that judge, uh, that angry judge that so terrified Martin Luther uh, along that lines is the, is the way we often think of Jesus. In fact, this account, uh, the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding of Canaan, is one that is rejected by many liberal scholars. They say, oh, no, no, this cannot be part of Scripture. This must be a story that's added later. And the re one of the reasons, one of the reasons is they, they have a tendency to reject miracles, period. They don't really believe that God does miracles. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what they believe. But then also, they especially dislike this one because it's so contrary to their idea of who and what Jesus was. They think of Jesus as this, like we said before, this strict uh, prophet and living in the more. They think of Jesus more like John, living in the desert, fasting and and calling everybody to to live in this strict lifestyle that that they suppose that Jesus lived. And so they're taking their idea of who and what Jesus was, and they're using it to judge Scripture, which is so wrong, so contrary. We need to go to Scripture and say, well, how does Jesus reveal himself? What does Jesus say about himself? And learn who Jesus is from Scripture, not judge Scripture based on our preconceived notions of who and what Jesus is. And so we learn uh, from this account, too, who and what Jesus is, and how our Sunday, our VBS uh, theme, he does the impossible. And here, here he does the impossible in order to fill our lives with his blessings. On the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Some people think that this was the cause of the problem, that, that Jesus brought his disciples with to the wedding, and this was unexpected, and so this is probably, this is maybe part of the reason why they, they ran out of wine. Uh, there's nothing in scripture to indicate that. I, I guess it's possible that that happened, but <clears throat> also remember that at this point, Jesus has only four or maybe five disciples, and they're the brothers who are all from the same area. They uh, originally lived or grew up in a village very close to Nazareth. These are small villages. Um, they're not that far away. They probably knew everyone in the area. It's very likely that his disciples were invited on their own right, not just because 
Uh, they were his disciples. Well, whatever the case, Jesus and his disciples are there, and Jesus' mother is there as well. She seems to be in charge to some degree. She's telling the servants what to do. It's possible she wasn't in charge. She was just helping out, but she does seem to be in charge. And so this would have been very likely a very closer friend uh, of Jesus's family, or maybe even a very close relative, but it doesn't really matter. So Jesus and his disciples are at the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. There seems to be more going on here than scripture reveals to us. There seems to be some previous conversations that Jesus maybe has had with his mother. He's talking to her. He, he wants her to understand something that he doesn't completely reveal to us. However, it's very obvious from his words that Jesus is telling his mother that he has other things to do. He has business he has to do. God has a plan for him, right? He's supposed to come and die for our sins, uh, and he needs to preach God's word. And that she needs to let go and let him go and do this, this task that the father had given to him. It's very likely that Joseph is dead at this point. Jesus' stepfather, Joseph, is dead at this point. We never hear of Joseph again after Jesus goes to the temple when he's a kid. Uh, so when Jesus is an adult, we never hear Joseph mentioned. Well, in a past sense we do, but we never hear him mentioned um, as being alive or as doing anything at, at the moment. So it's very possible that Joseph is has passed away at this point, in which case Jesus, as the firstborn son, it would have been his duty uh, to take care of his mother and to provide for the rest of the family as well. And so Mary might well have expected that, but Jesus makes it clear here that he has other things he has to be about. He has other things that he has to do. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? That term woman sounds very harsh in the English. It's probably not, probably doesn't come across so harsh uh, in the Greek. Jesus uses the same word when he's, he's talking to Mary, not Mary, his mother, but the other Mary. Uh, after he rose from the dead and, and Mary is, is crying and searching for his body in the garden. And Jesus said to her, says to her as well, uh, woman. And so it's uh, very likely not as harsh in the Greek. It, it seems to be a term of endearment at that point, and maybe it is here as well, uh, however harsh it comes across in the English. My hour has not yet come, he says. Um, the fact that he's at the wedding feast also implies that he's not yet ready to begin his public ministry, and that's probably what he means when he says, my hour has not yet come, my time to reveal myself, my time to manifest myself uh, through miracles and, and through the preaching of God's word has not yet come. He has been baptized, he has gone through the temptation, but there seems to be a slight lull there between uh, the time of his temptation and the time when he publicly begins uh, his public ministry. And so that's probably what he's talking about here when he says, my hour has not yet come. It's not yet time for me to reveal myself. Uh, nevertheless, he's going to help out, as we know, anyway. Verses, uh, five, verse 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. This shows great faith on the part of his mother. And despite the fact that he's rebuked her slightly, she trusts that he's going to take care of it. This leads many people to believe that Jesus had done miracles before this point. 
John says this is the first of the miracles which he did. Uh, it's possible to understand that in a slightly different way, but it seems likely that that's exactly what John means. This is the first miracle he ever did. There's no reason to believe he did any miracles before this. Mary could easily have come to trust and rely on him, even if he never did any miracles. Uh, being a smart, intelligent, and perfect boy, uh, it's very likely that he proved time and time again that if there's anything that Mary needed him to do, he did it. He, he found a way to accomplish it. He got the task done. Uh, he very clearly could have grown up with that reputation even without doing miracles. And so uh, his mother, no doubt, has learned to trust and rely on him, knowing that if he says he's going to do something or if there's something she needs, even if he, in this case he doesn't say he's going to do it, but there's something that she needs and she relies on him uh, to get it done. And this might be part of the reason, too, why Jesus rebukes her a little bit uh, back there, because he really needs her to understand that he's not going to be around uh, to help her out in this way anymore, that uh, she, that he's got other other work to do. Nevertheless, whatever he says to you, do it. She says to the servant, trusting completely that Jesus is going to accomplish it. And Mary's faith there really puts us to shame because how often do we pray to God asking for help but not really believing that God's going to take care of it? Uh, we need to have faith more like Mary here. When we put something in his hands, trust, know that he will take care of it and we don't have to worry about it anymore. And that's exactly what Mary does. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews contained twenty or thirty gallons apiece. So we got something between one hundred and twenty to one hundred and eighty gallons of water here. Uh, these are pots that were set at the entrance to the house because the Jews were supposed to wash their hands. They're supposed to purify themselves before coming into the house. Notice that this washing of the hands has nothing to do with hygiene. They didn't wash their hands like we do because they don't want to spread germs. Uh, they did it as a purification, as a spiritual thing. Oh, we got to wash off the dust in as a symbol of being washed and cleansed before God. Uh, so this is a very this is a religious thing. It's a very legalistic thing. It's not a hygiene thing. It's possible that Jesus used this water symbolically. This water was a symbolism of the Old Testament rituals and rites by which the Jewish people had to make themselves pure and righteous before God, um, which, of course, were only there to symbolize Jesus, but were a part of the daily lives of the Jews. And now Jesus takes that Old Testament ritual and he fills it with his blessing. He uses it to bless uh, his disciples. It's no longer a thing that, uh, a ritual or a law that they have to accomplish, but now it's the giving of God's grace. And of course, that's what God does with baptism. He takes that Old Testament ritual and he fills it with his blessing. Uh, instead of us being something that we have to do to show our obedience to God, now it's something that God does for us. And the same thing happens here. It's possible uh, that Jesus uses these six water pots for that, reason it's also possible that it's just convenience that here you've got these six water pots uh so it was an easy thing for him to use for this miracle in any case this is what he uses jesus said to them to the servants right fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim and he said to them draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast and they took it and this shows faith on the part part of the servants as well uh taking some 
taking water to the masters of the feast, he would have been, ooh, you would have rebuked them. Why are you bringing me water, right? So it takes faith on their part to do what Jesus says, even though they don't know why Jesus wants them to take this water to the master of the feast. And that's a lesson for us as well. Oftentimes Jesus asks us to do things that we don't understand and don't make a lot of sense. Why are we bringing this water to the master of the feast? And nevertheless, when we do the things that Jesus asks, he has his own reasons for asking us to do them, and we often receive his blessing down through it. Many Old Testament stories you could talk about there, Noah building the ark. Uh, didn't make any sense from an earthly standpoint, but God blessed him through it. Um, many other examples as well. So the disciple or the uh, servants do what Jesus says. They didn't know Jesus, so supposedly they're they're trusting Jesus's mother maybe there more than more than they're trusting Jesus because she told them uh, to do whatever he says. But they they do do what he says, and Jesus blesses them through it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him. Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. So notice how Jesus manifests not only his power, but his goodness. He doesn't give only what we need. He gives more than that. He gives in abundance. There was no reason for him to help out this couple from a strictly utilitarian standpoint, it wasn't going to be the end of the world. Um, nations weren't going to fall into, into war if these people didn't have wine. They would have been a little embarrassed and they would have gotten on with their lives. Nevertheless, they asked for help and Jesus responds with help. And there's a lesson for us as well, too, to, to bring our prayers to Jesus, trusting that he will take care of them, even, even the mundane things of this world. But not only does he help and bless them, but he blesses them in abundance. Somewhere around 150 gallons of wine, more than they could possibly need, and of the very best quality, so much so that the master of the feast exclaims at what good wine it is, uh, amazed that it's the very best uh, that he's tasted, at least at that feast, uh, maybe ever. And so we see, and that's what we were talking about at the beginning as well. What do we learn about Jesus? It's so contrary to this picture that we often have of Jesus by nature of a kind of a stingy God. No, 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 no. He fills our lives with his blessings and of the very best things he, he wants us. He's like, he's like a parent who wants to spoil his children. He wants us to have uh, every good thing. Nevertheless, he does know sometimes that the good, the good things that we want aren't the best things for us. Verse 11, this beginning of science Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Here we have another reason for the miracle as well. Jesus was about to go up to the temple and overthrow the money changers. In, do, so, in so doing, he was challenging the religious leaders of his day. He was not only challenging them, but he was opposing them in a very real sense, setting himself against them from the very beginning of his ministry. And his disciples then had a hard choice to make. Uh, they had grown up being taught to honor and respect these leaders. But if they're going to follow Jesus, he's going to lead them in a way that opposes these leaders. Are they going to trust Jesus and follow him? Or are they going to continue to trust uh, the leaders that they had grown up with? That would have been a hard thing for his disciples Jesus prepares them for that, not only reviewing, revealing his power in this miracle, 
but also revealing his goodness and how he wants to fill their lives with blessings, strengthening by faith the faith in the disciples uh, so that they would be able to follow him even when it meant making difficult choices. And we know that God fills our lives with blessings as well, and we should remember to thank and praise him for that and be ready to follow him even when it means difficult choices, knowing how much he wants to bless our lives. Wedding of Canaan, the first miracle, Jesus revealed himself, and not only revealed himself as the Son of God with power, but revealed himself as the Son of God who loves us dearly and wants to fill our lives with every blessing. Jesus does the impossible. He changes water into wine, and he fills our lives with every good thing as well.